Hello and welcome to the Non-Tech Founders Podcast, fortnightly conversations about running a business as a non-technical founder. I'm Laura. And I'm Nathan. Join us as we navigate the developer-dominated world of entrepreneurship, bootstrapping and beyond. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how to hire and vet developers when you have absolutely no idea how to objectively tell if they're any good. So this lovely, is a big one lovely, for... Lovely, um, lovely subjects. <laughs> yeah, this is a big one for non-technical people because it's it's hard like you don't know anything about the world of i mean i don't know anything about the world of development um i know a little bit because i have a lot of developers in my sort of circles i suppose but it still baffles me so how do you hire possibly the most important person aside from you to your business without knowing it so um i thought what we would do for this episode is similar to other episodes really is that we'll talk a little bit about our experiences first um i've spoken about mine before so i won't go into too much detail but we've um put together some some things to keep in mind some things to look out for uh, when you are hiring your first developer so um the second section is going to be we actually, we actually had a, a listener email about this as well from Iceland. Oh uh, yeah, and she she was interested to hear about how we dealt with with hiring developers. Um, Iceland from Forefront Agency over in Ireland. So this would be a good one to tackle. Yeah, definitely. It's super hard, and I feel like my experience, um, as I've said before, is I got really lucky with it. So I don't like talking about it too much because. I mean, you can't really learn much from, oh, cool, I, the first developer I found, it was great. Um, but there are a few things that I have learned from having a great developer. I haven't had the experience of having a terrible developer. You know, well, I think so... if, there are, if there are two stereotypical horror stories around on the internet, there's hiring a developer and hiring a designer. Um, <laughs> and, and typically they both have a really bad rap, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, designers, yeah. Uh we're we're just both funny creatures i think developers and designers love love hate relationship a lot of the time Um, okay so let's jump in then what's so you said i mean you've already said i mean you got lucky on your very first kind of shot in the dark so i um i posted my requirement for client portal when i was making it into a wordpress plugin on slack in a freelancing slack group that i was a part of and i got loads of replies loads of dms and most developers were sort of just through prices at me so oh I can do it for x I can do it for y or they talked about you know random technical jargon that I didn't really know how to pass Um, but one person in particular really stood out to me and she talked about the actual product so she talked about client portal and she said oh I've been following you and I'm really glad you're making this into a product I think it's a really good idea here's some where places that I was thinking it could go you know here's what I was thinking we could do so she was kind of she started off by being excited about my product and strategizing actual um, things I could do to make it the best product it could be. So she understood that I wasn't necessarily looking for the technical stuff right now. She was, look- I wanted someone who understood the product. So my gut feeling was from the start was I'm gonna hire her. And her price obviously came later and it was of course more than the other developers who just said random prices for me, but I went for it. and. You know, I was lucky enough that that actually worked out well for me. It could have gone the other way. Like sometimes your gut feeling is wrong. But I think just having someone who I really felt like got my business um, was a really good way for me to 
choose and hire my developer so that's sort of my experience and I've got a lot of I've learned from working with her over the past like since 2016 I don't know how many years that's been like oh, wow. six that's years. a long-term relationship yeah super long term so I've I've got loads of stuff I've learned from having a great developer but that was um that was basically my experience it sounds like the ideal freelance outreach you know outreach way of working so I, as, as opposed to just here's my list of pricing you know and here or here is even even just the here's other stuff i've worked on you know that personal sort of yeah element uh yeah. of reaching out to the person i think it is always uh advisable it always makes a big difference as well so i'm not surprised that your gut feeling was this feels different this is not just someone you know throwing their proposal at me or their yeah. cv and it's super rare as well. I mean, it's a good freelancing tip in general, if anyone listening is a freelancer, to be really personable. And it's the same with outreach emails for guest posts. I get so many and I just close all of them. I don't even look at them. They try and be different by being maybe funny or doing something. And it might capture my attention a little bit, but the only ones I've ever accepted are the really personal ones. And it's not that hard to do, but mm. no one does it. So it's quite a good freelancing yeah, tip. It's amazing. If you general. can actually just spend just a little bit of time up front, it does make the world a difference. Obviously for Nusi, I had to get the prototype built. And I originally, do you know, I actually don't remember where I put the, I, but I did, I put a job ad out on one of the bigger job boards back in the day. And so I got, as you can imagine, I got loads of, I got loads of, people developers doing the same thing essentially sort of throwing technical language at me and and sort of proposals and uh well not proposals just you know that would have been something but just prices you know it's going to cost you x so and i actually did decide to go with one in the end who just did seem a bit more personable you know he did have that sort of that more personable approach but in this in this case i think i don't know whether my expectations were too high or whether it was just that the budget I was working with didn't allow, you know, and it was a tiny budget, it to be developed as, as, as I'd wanted it to. I think looking back now, I th think it's easier to see that you pretty much always get what you pay for, pretty much, not always. And also there are ins and outs to know how to work with developers. I think there are, you can't just throw everything over to them and say, here's the prototype that I've built in Figma, build it out. That's, is the very, very, very rare that that's going to work out for anyone. So I think looking back, you know, I, I, it wasn't a great prototype. I wasn't particularly happy with it. Uh, the code was terrible. It was clunky. It was buggy as hell. But I think, um, again, another, another side to this is it depends what you need from that project. Like, do you just need a, need a proof of concept? Will that influence the developer you, you, you hire? Uh, and is it that important? Or are you moving from proof of concept perhaps to something that's more solid, you know, uh, to something you already had your proof of concept, for example, because uh, you already had the the basic HTML and people were digging it and they were really happy. And then you were taking it from something. So you needed something a bit more serious. And I've done it again now with um, Feature Flux looking for a developer and it's a very tricky thing to do. And I think I don't want to get too deep into the Feature Flux thing now because it, it's still ongoing and I've already been through uh, I'm on my second developer already so there are definitely lots and lots of things you can work out and even that personal relationship and personal approach can yeah. things can go wrong there you know because it's easy to be excited essentially you are going to be excited because you're building your product so it's easy to be excited when someone comes along and says the things that you want to hear um so therefore you kind of you're slightly blinded but it doesn't mean to say that they're necessarily going to be the right developer for your project so I think we need to somehow being non-technical people put certain 
things in place to try and make sure that they are the right developer. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think it's a balance because as a non-technical person, you do need someone personable in the sense that you need someone who can who can talk to you in a way that you can understand without being too overly technical. Because if you can't understand really what they're saying and, you know, you feel a bit out of depth, that's just that's just not going to make for a really good relationship because you're not going to know how to work with them and how to help them. But like you said, just because someone's personable, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be right with the project. So, yeah, it's definitely a difficult balance. But from what I've done, what I would recommend is when you do find, I think when you find someone it's important to start with a smaller fixed price project. Um, I don't know if you agree with that, but just something where you can easily part ways fairly soon if you figure out it's not going to be right for you. With Client Portal, that was pretty easy because the project in itself was a very small project. It was turning something that already worked into something that would actually work in WordPress. So um, it was quite it was quite easy for me for something more like what you do which is a SaaS you know that's actually a really quite a big project in itself so did you when you hired your developers either for um, Newsy or for Feature Flux did you start with a smaller fixed price project or did you just go all in and say you're going to be my developer now here's where we'll here's what we'll do I think if I remember correctly for the Newsy one I think I did put up a, a small test that I think a friend had passed to me to give to any developer that was interested. I don't remember how exactly that was dealt with, whether it was just an, an incredibly small project with a, a small price tag and, and that was that. But I have to say that for uh, Feature Flux, I didn't do an initial smaller project. And I think, he says kicking himself, that it's invaluable to, to, to do it that way. I think, because if you think about you know, hiring ourselves, hiring hiring designers, unless there is a personal relationship, unless it is a personal, you know, uh, referral, where obviously trust generally tends to be higher. You know, people don't know that you can actually perform the project for their particular for their particular business. You know, you may be a great designer or developer in this case, but it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to be great in this role. So I think, yeah, that yeah. is definitely something I should have thought about because I just presume that because somebody's a great developer, that they would actually be a great fit as well. You know, we, we hear all the time in in startups now that, you know, they, they talk so much about fit and culture, don't they? Like almost as being one of the biggest aspects of like you can do your job great but are you a great fit for what we want you know for your personality for how you work for how you communicate as you said you know can they talk to me in a way that makes sense to me even just so, something as simple as a small sort of test project i think um hugely beneficial i, I would definitely it would definitely be the way i would do things uh, moving forward yeah i think it's it's I, the reason I like it is because from my side, I always want to feel like I can get out of a relationship if I if I need to. There needs to be like a really easy out for both of us. You know, if we figure out we don't work well together rather than having to fire someone because that I hate firing people. But I like it when there's like a clear end so we can say, OK, if this didn't work out for us, we'll just end it there that's fine we'll kind of go our separate ways so there's not really as much bad blood and it's what I used to do when I freelance as well so you know if someone would want a big 
website redesign you know sometimes people would say we've been through so many designers it's costing us a fortune and they you could just tell they were just wary of hiring yet mm. another designer so i would say okay um well how about this why don't we do this small project so i will like redesign the hero section of your website and it'll cost this and this is the day i'll do it on whatever and then if you think i'm the right designer from you after working with me and after seeing what i provide then you can hire me for the full thing and you could sort of feel them visibly relax when i said that and go oh wait that's a great idea and you could you know sort of see them thinking i should have done that for all the designers that i had say so just do this small project first and then they wouldn't have wasted an entire website redesign budget on like three different designers or something yeah um, so it's just really good from both sides to see if you're going to work well together and if you're a professional and if you know what you're doing if you've got experience um you'll be pretty confident that you will get that job. First off, because you suggested something like that in the first place, which is, I think people really appreciate. And secondly, because you know that you're good at what you do and you're sure that the client will see it. And if they don't, cool, you've both got a really easy way to part ways. So yeah, I think that's a, I think doing a small fixed price thing is a really good idea. Um, but I was also thinking about things to look out for when you do this. So. And this is mostly things that my developer has done right that I've absolutely appreciated that I would never have thought of if I, you know, if, if I was just going back in time hiring someone. So the things that I really like that I would look out for if I were to hire a developer again is things like, does the developer push back um, now and again on ideas? So do they just say yes to everything? Do they just go, yep, yep, we can do that, no problem? Or do they say, actually... Have you thought about this? Because the problem with doing this is that this might happen. I do like that as well. And I think it's it's easy as well, easy for us as non-technical people, and especially as designers um, to, and this comes up a lot as well. You, you, you see in perhaps in job jobs that are advertised for designers, do you actually know what you're designing within the technical limitations of whatever the platform is? So I think that is really super um important to be able to push back because you know we may well be designing things that are either incredibly difficult to implement or may create problems elsewhere you know within the product or within the system so i think it's really great to hear those things yeah uh, and especially if it's you know sort of straight off the bat you know perhaps maybe in the first you know meeting or something where they're able to just take a look at it and and have enough expertise you know to be able to say oh well actually you know this might be a problem and and really helps create a, a feeling of oh yeah they 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 do know what they're doing yeah. and it helps create a feeling of security yeah they're not just saying yes to everything and then you end up with an issue and then they say well the reason this is an issue is because you said that we had to do this and you think <laughs> well you could have told me my ideal the way my developer does it is um i think perfect she says um, so if I think of just a, like a, it's usually a smaller feature that I'm thinking that someone suggested and I think, oh, that's a great idea. Maybe we can do that. She'll say, well, the problem with doing this is this. But then she says, if you do want to go ahead, this is what we'll do. And this is how we'll try to mitigate it as much as possible. But just remember that this is that likely I told to happen. You so. <laughs> yeah. So and then it's sort of it, I, I like that because sometimes I think developers can be I don't know, they careful, can sort of careful. Well, it's it's hard to say. Like, I feel like sometimes they can say no to a lot of things if it's going to be maybe a little bit more work than they thought. I, I don't know. That mm. might be a bit unfair. I'm just thinking of like past experiences that I've had on, you know, smaller projects. But what I no, really I've like had, is I've had that, that experience as well. And that, that's been my impression. 
Yeah, but what I really like is that she says, you know, if you do want to do it, this is how we will do it. So, you know, I can tell that she's, if I say, if I want to just say, yeah, I want to do it, then she'll definitely do it. But it sort of leaves it up to me as to whether we do it or not. And often I'll say, oh no, yeah, that's not worth it. So just forget it. Um, well, I but I really appreciate important. that she does that. Um, yeah, and I think it's super important as well, because if she says in this case, you know, well, you can go with that option if you want, but just know that, you know, A, it could potentially take, you know, another two weeks of development or it could, you know, be something else. At least then it's up to you to say, well, yeah, okay, I don't I don't mind hanging back another two weeks, you know, because this is something that's particularly important to me or to the to the product. So yeah. just being able to have that conversation, I think is awesome. And instead of just, as you said, the developer just saying, yeah, 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 no problem. And then actually it turns out, oh, well, it is another two weeks delay or another month delay or whatever without actually having had any sort of information about that delay prior to yeah. you know, them saying yeah well maybe we should talk about this yeah exactly and it sort of leads me on to my next one as well which is does your developer automatically think through all potential edge cases this to me is just a developer's superpower i love this about developers they just have this ability to really quickly know every single random edge case that I would never have thought about could possibly happen and say well what would happen if this happens what will happen if that happens and I think oh okay but I really like that so I think a good developer should be able to do that pretty automatically and if you're working with someone who you're not sure if they're doing that you can always ask them you can say so this is this is the project and you can ask them what potential edge cases might crop up that we need to think about and I think that's a really good way to see how a developer thinks you know are they invested in making whatever you're doing the best it can possibly be something really future-proof and well-rounded or are they just hoping to just get your project in and out of the door as quickly as possible and get their invoice paid you know, you know you're gonna to have to stop talking about your developer because everyone's gonna to want to try and steal her off you because this, is, <laughs> this just sits really well you know it says a lot about your developer <laughs> i know yeah she is she is honestly amazing i think she actually works um full time now as far as i know i think i'm the only client that she's kept on still i'm so grateful for it because i'm it's i dread the day if she ever leaves me because yeah i, I realize how good i've got it well i think the the edge case thing is I, I can imagine that being, yes, a superpower. Because if if I think about it now from a from a usability standpoint, if I go into an app and I and I can see, oh well, you know, this is going to create a problem. This is going to create a problem. But even then, I there would be use cases that would crop up as you learned more about the system. You know, so I think yeah, depending obviously on your uh, depth of knowledge, then yes, you will be able to see a bunch of these. Uh, use cases that we as non-technical people hadn't seen as they sort of delve further into the software I'm sure they would just keep finding more and more as well because it's like you said it, oftentimes we just couldn't even begin to think about these edge cases because it's it's just beyond our uh, our scope of knowledge you know yeah and that's a really good point because it sort of leads me to what I was going to say um, next which is the looking at the usual things that you would look at when you're hiring someone. So, you know, do they communicate well? We sort of talked about that earlier. Are they personable? Can they meet deadlines? Um, but for a developer, the deadline thing isn't as important to me, to be honest, because um, like you say, edge cases are going to crop up. They're not going to be able to think of everything. The more experience they have, the more they'll be able to think of right there off the bat. But, you know, things are going to crop up. So I've found that actually deadlines are quite hard to reliably stick to as a developer, but I'm okay with that because I would rather 
all these things be ironed out before it goes live you know then having it go live and then having people email me with all these issues that they're having so for yeah for almost anyone else I'd hire I think meeting a deadline would be really important um but for a developer that's not something I care as much about and but only if I'm pretty sure that they are actually working on it and they are doing their best and you can sort of get a feeling for that like sometimes developers just go off well, the radar I think that comes back to the communication as you said because yeah I am also happy for dates to be pushed back if I know that is being pushed back for a reason that is you know a, a valid reason and and the best way to know or the best way to know that is through great communication you know if you're constantly talking and I don't mean being on slack all day with them because we, we've all got things to do but if they can clearly communicate to you that you know as we said just now that well actually this this uh, particular feature is going to be problematic because it's a technology that isn't whatever as long as they can communicate that to you and and so therefore well actually I'm probably not going to be able to get it in for this Friday so maybe we're talking then I think it's not a problem for me either what is a problem for me is that when those dates do get pushed back and there's just no communication on it other than yeah it's just taking longer than i thought because it's more complicated than i thought you know that's not yeah that's not communication that's that's the bare minimum um, yeah you can so tell think, the difference as well like it's hard to it's hard to put into words what the difference is or when the difference is there but there's just something about it you can tell when there's a genuine reason for a for something taking a bit longer versus oh they're just stalling because they haven't worked on it but i don't know how you know that well Maybe i think it just part goes, of that is the gut thing the became, you started with right at the very beginning right i think depending on how the relationship develops over the course of the project i think you do get a sense and you do get that gut feeling for how how things are going you know with uh with them and with the project in itself so i think you do get a sense for well actually is it taking longer because it is really a problem or is it just that you know they're not putting in the time or that they're just poor communicators or you know they're not really interested or you know all of these factors that we all fear when hiring uh, a developer yeah exactly so I think the last thing that I was thinking when you're doing a small fixed price project to look out for is what their process for testing is like um, so testing is really important and all developers have, you know, a bit do of developers a... test their work. <laughs> <laughs> Hope so. The good ones do. Are you sure about <laughs> that? I seem to be the tester always. Well, you'll still have to test yourself. I always test as well, but they should hopefully, because that's when a lot of the, um, deadline things happen is because, you know, while testing this, I realized in this browser, this was happening or, you know, X, Y, Z. So hopefully they should test, but it's a good question that you can ask them. You can just say, what is your process for testing? Um, and really all you, all you want to know is that they do test things. Maybe it's in different browsers, maybe it's on their phone or what they use. Developers have all these different things up their sleeves for testing. I don't really keep up to date with what the best way to do it is. Mostly I care about, do they seem to have a process in place for testing and does that question throw them at all it shouldn't throw them they should just have a really quick answer because it's something they should be doing so mm. it's sort of i think for me a good question to ask because it is important but yeah you'll still have to test but hopefully when you test you don't come across all these really glaring issues that you think hmm if if this was tested this is pretty basic thing have they actually even gone through this um if that happens then that's a little bit of a red flag. Um, it's something that can be solved. You know, you can tell them, 
can you test this a little bit better uh, and see if they improve or it could end up just being you know you end up going for someone else so these problems can be fixed but you know sometimes they can't I mean that's all I really wrote down for what you what I would look out for if I were to hire a developer again there are other things that you can do like code reviews but I wouldn't know how to do anything like that I don't know anything about um different programming languages or any of that stuff the only other potential thing that you can do is if you have if you know a developer that you trust maybe they work full-time at a company maybe you just know them um you can get them to help you vet your developer which is quite handy like a you know third party the thing to be careful of though is that again i gotta be careful with what i say here but in my experience sometimes developers can be a bit set in their ways of how they think something should be done there's obviously multiple ways to do different things I don't really know, but every developer I speak to is very adamant that this is the one correct way to do it, or this is the one correct tool that you should be using. And they're all contradictory. And it's a little yeah. bit difficult because you don't know which one's right. So I would sort of be careful, take that kind of stuff with a pinch of salt. But you know, if you know someone who can help you vet them, like what's their gut feeling with the developer? Do, do they sort of get a good feeling or not? Um, that can be really helpful and they can help maybe answer some of the more technical questions for you um, if you have that available some people do some people don't if you do have that available to you i think that's invaluable even if it is just a quick glance over the code you know you could spend as much time as you wanted reviewing code you know it's not something that anybody would do for free so but i think even if you can just get a friend to give a quick glance over i think that's very helpful and michael's always helping me out you know my ex business partner from Nusi. um the quick glance but the thing quickly just to say about the languages that you mentioned as well i think even when you're at the hiring stage that can be very challenging as well because like you said most developers live and die by the languages they use and anything else is to be laughed at so it can as well um sort of influence which type of developer you go with and which way you move as well um, so again, it's something that you need to look into and to research. And if you do have that developer friend, then I think that can be very important as well, because again, depending on what you're building, is it just a proof of concept or are you moving into something more serious? If it's proof of concept, then maybe the language they're using isn't so important. But if you are moving up the ladder, so to speak, then perhaps it's something you should look at. I wonder if there's like a service available that someone does where, you know, you can show them your idea and they can you know you can hire them on a consulting basis or something and they can go through it and maybe rec make any recommendations in terms of what language you should use or things like that like an impartial consulting yeah possibly engagement. but i even had i had varying language uh, recommendations even just to build feature flocks you know so i was i was told several different languages and in fact the first version was built in something completely different to the version now so well it would have to be developer. someone who wouldn't be building or having any skin in the game for actually taking on the project they'd have to be completely yeah. impartial and just know a little bit about i don't know different languages it's probably I'm sure not there a must thing. be something like that there must be some kind of productized service that would yeah. do that for you i feel like that would be really useful just someone completely impartial that can just give you a bit of guidance on even just the pros and cons so you can just make an informed decision without someone trying to push their specific language mm. on you um, well, there yeah. you go. There's a business idea for the end of the podcast for someone. Out yeah, there. <laughs> if anyone has any uh, ideas or if anyone knows anyone, 
let me know because that's anyone wants to do that and then give us a 90 percent discount on the next project that would be fantastic <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool well so before we end the episode i do have like a couple of extra tips i don't know if you have anything to add to when you're hiring a developer for a fixed price project what you'd look into or if we sort of covered everything from your point I, of view. yeah i think essentially for me the most important things are communication 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 because I, I think that dictates most of it and i and i think in fact that will almost get you past perhaps a not so senior designer you know perhaps a junior sorry designer perhaps a, a more junior developer while they might take longer perhaps um i would take the communication over you know just a terrible working experience any day so i think for me that's a big one how do they communicate and yeah. if we're gonna you know go down the recommendation of you know the communication via that initial first small project then i think for me those would be the two the two really big things yeah so yeah the other things that i just wanted to mention is just some tips of things that i've learned while working on client portal is to not forget to think about how you're going to handle bug fixes because um, they will crop up so mm -hmm. if you ha are just having someone as a fixed price you know fixed price project do you have someone else available or another service available to help you with bug fixes or have you spoken to your developer about maybe the fixed price would include you know you know 30 days of support or something like that i'm not really yeah. sure but it's important to think about because as soon as you release it there are going to be things you know people are going to have issues so yeah they will um, find things that you you that you and i don't yeah like sure. coming yeah coming up with a plan wild. exactly just coming up with a plan with them on you know if you do end up moving forward with them as your developer you know what's the plan for then figuring out bug fixes you know have a support ticket form on your website with the questions that your developer is going to need to know. Um, for example, with Client Portal, often we need um, admin access to their website in order to fix most things, which are plugin conflicts. We also have like step-by-step -step on how either the customer can help us debug what's happening or how a non-technical person, myself or our support person, can go in and do the first stage of debugging. And then list out what they need us to provide them in order to you know fix bugs as quickly as possible because developers hourly rates are not cheap um, so you don't want them to be doing that kind of tier one support you just want to give mm. them like the login the problem the steps that you've taken to fix it uh, you know in one clear document so but that's something you'd work on with your developer because you'd want to know from them what they would need um, so that's important and then the Last thing was to don't forget to keep a public change log. Um, it's something my developer did. I wouldn't have even thought about it, but she puts a change log. I think all developers do it, to be honest, but I just put it in Trello um, because customers always want to see, you know, all the updates that has happened. So anytime she does a bug fix or anytime she does anything, um, I just put in Trello the date and, you know, she writes it. I just copy and paste it. Um, but that's something really important that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of unless um, she had so already done it. So is that just the change log that's visible publicly or? Um, it's part of the roadmap. So I have um, in Trello, I have a roadmap that's public and I put in one column the feature request ideas. People can upvote them if they want to. And then in the next column, I have what we're currently working on and I put any notes in there. Um, and then I have features that we've released. And then the last column is the change log. So it's just this really long list of just changes that happen. And mm. we just put that in anytime there's an update. But people like That's seeing cool. that because... Yeah, no, you know, it's a I good get, idea, yeah. 
Yeah, I get questions all the time. It's one of my frequently asked questions on the website actually is, you know, how do I know you're, are you actively working on this? Because it's a problem that a lot of people have. It's a thing that might stop them from buying is that they want to be sure that, especially with WordPress, is actively being worked on. So um, mm. that's another thing that was important. No, completely, yeah. But yeah, so I think that's covered pretty much everything that I wanted to cover. So I hope that was helpful. If you've enjoyed this episode and you want to hear when new episodes are released, you can subscribe in your podcast app of choice. And if you really enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review. Um, it's so helpful, especially to podcasts like ours that, you know, we're just starting out. So reviews are just like pure gold for us. But either way, thank you so much for listening and we will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.